This boy and girl are going to be well equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society. Hello, hi y'all. This is Daniel Eisenman, the host of the Breaking Normal podcast, where my guests are all invited based on the frequency of synchronicity, all done in person, and all trailblazers and the breaking of all things normal. Uh, y'all, all right. Have y'all been checking out the Yo Uber Tube episodes? Yeah, that's right. I, I drive around for Uber and Lyft as a side hustle to promote Breaking Normal book, the Breaking Normal podcast, which you're listening to, and Tribe Vitamins, the official sponsor of this podcast and my life. Tribe Vitamins, we encapsulate superfoods that were used as medicines before pharmacies ever existed, and we are definitely inspired by the indigenous practices of this land. So we don't mess around with those European cows that were never in North America before Europeans arrived. No, no, no. We're not like every other company that just white labels that New Zealand retired dairy cow organ powder like most companies do. We had the privilege of creating the supply chain for the very first 100% grass-fed, grass-finished, freeze-dried, raw bison liver product. There's been a few companies that try to Adopt some of our ideas since then, which is fine. Competition is cooperation in my book, especially done with the right intention. Um, but some of these companies, as a heads up, I've even had some friends that ordered grass-fed bison liver capsules from other companies because they were cheaper. Most likely they were cheaper because those were grass-fed and not grass-finished. Know your labels. Know your companies. Know your suppliers, know your founders of the companies that you buy from, and that's me. Let's do it. Obviously, I've had unavoidable divine support through this product project, and it was a little scary. About a month ago or so, we actually sold out of bison liver. However, we have fully restocked as our biggest buyer is a cardiologist, and we manufacture his suggested blend, which is 70% bison liver, 30% bison heart, 500 milligrams per capsule. Take six of those every morning and watch yourself stopping craving inferior calories, crappy calories, and feel full, full on nutrition. A lot of people think they're hungry when they're actually just starving for nutrients and or thirsty. So fill yourself up with some nice, fresh lemon spring water in the morning with those bison liver pills, and then try some of the other products before a date or a workout. One of my friends that got the bull testicle complex recently told me he couldn't handle it because he was just walking around hard as a rock all day wanting to get with his lady and not do work. So <laughs> all I could do is actually work and, and do it with the lady. Um, and if you are in the market of making a baby, I highly recommend not only the bison liver, but to grab one of the, one or a few of those bull testicle complexes while we still have them, that is, you will not find any other product in the whole marketplace like that. That is 100% grass-fed, grass-finished bison, elk, and yak testicles mixed with bison kidney and yak liver. And then for the elk velvet antler, that's the only food that I know of that actually has bioavailable growth factor in it, IGF-1. Get yourself some of that. It's been sort of a controversial supplement because some companies did sketchy stuff with it. But our capsules will only have pure elk velvet antler in them from a single North American elk herd. Once again, we are not buying deer antler from China and throwing our label on it. We are buying from a single ranch 
and North America with North American elk, not the red deer from China or New Zealand or Russia. Although those guys have been using this type of growth factor from deer antler for thousands of years, and this is actually where the word horny came from. Get it? All right. Strap on, because this guy that I'm about to interview, Chris King, uh, Melissa Hennig's partner, he knows all about these subjects and a lot more, especially about unavoidable success on Amazon and entrepreneurship and being a dad and hunting goats in Hawaii naked and so on. Um, enjoy the conversation. And, uh, yeah, please leave a review. Let us know what you think, even if you didn't like it. Hey, what's more important than being able to team up with people that we don't agree with? That is what I'm talking about. That's what I would describe as heart sync over group think. Hear that rain? I'm in Boulder, Colorado. Come and visit. Let me know if you want to visit me here and or join me in Iceland for a future trip. My phone number is 404-538-3156. If you're local and you want to get some tribe vitamins and not pay for shipping, text me. And, and, it's time for me to go on to the next adventure. Keep breaking normal, y'all. Much love. Tribevitamins.com. Get you some. Aloha, y'all. Here we go. Next Breaking Normal podcast. I'm sitting here with an old pal of mine, Chris King, um, the king of Melissa Hennig, who's been on the podcast before. Is it Melissa King, Melissa King now? Um, not legally. Not legally. But, okay. yes. But y'all do have a beautiful son together. <laughs> Thanks. How do you think we know each other, by the way, just so for people to uh, understand our connection? You and Melissa? And you and me. Oh, well, I know you through Melissa. And then how and you? How did you and Melissa? I am not even sure if I understand the story because uh, when I knew Melissa before you, I think um, she was like basically an awesome single lady that was like maybe wanting to be a mom, but she was kind of getting up there in the years. And I think we talked about that in the podcast. And then y'all met, and all of a sudden, a few years later, you have this beautiful boy, Jeremiah, running around. <laughs> it looks like y'all are kind of uh, living in a remote, amazing parts of the world. How did all this happen? Yeah. So, um, I was playing the flute. I played Native American-style flutes. And um, we were in California at the time, and I was playing in this uh, open mic night. And um, Melissa was there, and she heard the flute. Wow. And that was it. <laughs> Where in California were y'all? Uh, we were in Fairfax. Oh, yeah. Because I, I stayed there before. Did y'all, okay. were you living there at one point? Yeah. Yeah, uh, we were both living there. Uh, we didn't know each other, and we met that fateful night. Well, I know. we. Uh, your family and my family seems to have a lot in common. One being that y'all seem to be very adamant about finding the best place in the world to live. <laughs> yeah. Where all of yeah. y'all tried so far as a family. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we've been on that common search <laughs> that so many people go on looking for the best place. And if you do that for a few years, you realize that it doesn't exist. Hmm. <laughs> there is no best place. Kind of like a dog chasing his tail. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's, it's so funny. We, we meet so many people doing that. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're just traveling around. You know, we're trying to find our next spot. Um, yeah, so where did we go? So we started in California. In Fairfax? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but I, I, I grew up in Florida and Tennessee. Which parts? I was um, born in Miami. Okay, yeah, I grew up in Clearwater. Oh, yeah, yep. great, great, great little area. And then I moved to Maui oh, right after high school. Where in Maui were you living? I lived in Wailuku. Wow. And I was there for... Uh, right next to Eyal Valley? Yep, right next to Eyal Valley, Man. right in the hills there. And I lived there for eight years. By yourself, or what were you doing out there? Yeah. See, I, yeah, I, moved, I moved there to windsurf. 
Oh, nice. Because I was windsurfing in Florida, and you know, you get into windsurfing, you want to be really freaking windy, mm-hmm. and it just wasn't that windy there. And Maui's like the windsurfing capital of the world. Mm-hmm. So, uh, graduated high school barely, and um, mm-hmm. all my all my friends went to college, and I said I'm going windsurfing. Nice. So I just packed up my stuff, and I took a uh, a duffel bag and my windsurf board and sail out there and windsurf worked in a surf shop and lived in a little half a garage the guy had converted into a uh you know sleeping area Mm -hmm. and just was a beach bum what did your parents think about that i'm not really sure and they're not sure. Are you not? Are you not in touch <laughs> no, with your parents, no. or are you just didn't care? I did, didn't yeah, ask emotionally, or? I was not in touch. Yeah. <laughs> I just was like, "This is what I'm doing." And I, you know, I think at that point, I, I had lived a pretty rebellious uh, youth, so they had surrendered at that point, and they knew I was gonna just do what I was gonna do. <laughs> do, you have, do you have siblings? Yeah, I have a sister. She, she's actually still on Maui. Uh, younger or older? Younger. And did she go to Maui because of you? Because you're yeah, influence? she started coming out there um, to visit me when I was there, and she loved it. And she kind of had her own journey, but ended up back on Maui and is now on a farm in um, Kipahulu. Oh, like there on the Hana side? Yeah, yeah, like way out on the yeah. back side. Yeah, I've actually interviewed the founder of Stone Brewing out there. Oh, cool. Yeah, he actually, and yeah. then after our interview, he sold to Sapporo for I think a hundred million. That's a good exit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, so um, I mean, the the college conversation is pretty interesting to me because out of my Forbes siblings, I was the one that went to college, mm. and you know, most people would be like, "Good, the older siblings making a good influence on the younger ones," mm-hmm. but I don't think anyone looked at it that way. Like after I went to college, and I'm just like all my bill, like a lot of my bills are going towards paying it off, and then my younger mm. siblings, all the dollars they make just goes into their bank account. Yeah. It almost seemed like, well, oh. Daniel kind of really blazed a trail to so for the all what not to do. Oh, they yeah, they all saw the student loans and all the money, and they're like, well, wait a minute, we'll and just the confusion keep that. and like, why is it, like I wasn't even hundred percent sure why I was doing it. Yeah. It was just like fun, hanging out with friends, and I just feel like the college education game has changed a lot. Like for me, when I'm uh, wanting to work with someone, to me, I think it's a much bigger plus if they did not go to college or if they dropped out of college. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. Um, when I started my first business on Maui. I had a window cleaning pressure washing company and I was just starting and I was I was really young and I was getting into hiring people and learning about that. But I remember this guy applied who had a, a you know a, a business degree. And I thought, oh, this is fantastic. I'm gonna hire this guy and he's gonna give all these ideas and grow the business and Man, I didn't know anything. <laughs> I was, I, was like, I mean, wow. the co- <laughs> college is like not that everybody's like that. I but agree. that was just like something that I saw and but some people like for college, they uh, it just seems like a training ground to like fit into this system, like a cog in the wheel. Yeah, yeah I understand for like a specialty yeah. being like a cardiac surgeon, or if you're going to be a, a divorce attorney, like you need a specific degree in a specific niche. But I think for most people, um, college kind of is like a domestication program. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I think at some level, it's just another part of the plan keep people going and and i i should be careful not to talk too much about that because everybody's different like mm-hmm. you said and some people really enjoy their college experience and get a lot out of it but you know i I'd go visit my friends in florida i'd come back from maui and see what they were doing and i was just like man 
I made the right choice. Jeez, because <laughs> they were just like, you know, they weren't learning anything like really uh, useful in the world. And a lot of them were still bankrolled by their parents. So they weren't mm. getting jobs and they weren't being, you know, like you learn so much by just working. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was my education is I just, well, I just screwed around on the beach for a couple of years, but <laughs> you know, I quickly learned that I need to get to work. And, and that's how I really learned by just getting in the game and doing it. Yeah, I, I completely resonate. I think that one of the fastest ways to learn the most is like starting a business or a family. Yeah. I mean, how can, yeah. how can you learn more quicker right. and in a more fulfilling way? Yeah. And they're both like, one's a literal baby, one's a metaphorical one, and they both deserve so much nourishment and attention and concentration and focus and faith. And screw-ups and <laughs> yeah. challenges and, you know, learning by, you know, failure and issues and... Yeah, and I think the other way, like doing the whole college route, signing up for like, you know, climbing the corporate ladder, it might be like a more like a less volatile route but i also feel like it's so much it can be so much more restricting and i don't know less expansive less less offering less creativity um but it also also all depends on what role someone goes into but i I just think it's so cool that you never went to college at all no great good good on you no and i remember um because I, I barely made it through high school. You know, I actually was not supposed to graduate. And why, like, when you say that, why, why I you did, say that? I didn't have enough credits or grade point average or whatever, okay. right? I remember at the end trying to just make it all up. That's how I'd get through high school. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't go to class. And then I would coerce my teachers at the end of the term or whatever to make everything up. So I'd be like, okay, just just let me, let me, let me do it. You know, let me, let me read the book. I'll take you know, three or four tests in a row, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and I read through the textbook and I take, so I was trying to keep, do that, but I just couldn't get it done. I couldn't get the test. I couldn't get the credits. And, and, uh, I was like, holy crap, I'm not going to graduate, but I was just going through the motions and I went to graduation and sure enough, they had a diploma for me. It was, it was crazy. I, I, I think somebody just like kind of pushed me through, <laughs> you know, cause they knew, right. And I, I would, I said that to myself too. I'm not going back wow. <laughs> That's for, for summer school or whatever. Like it's just not happening. Um, well, that's a pretty cool background there. I mean, when you were in Maui, um, I'm surprised. That, have you and Melissa lived there at all? No, no. We haven't been back to Hawaii together, which I'd like to. You know, I'd like to take my son. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, we we, live, we met in California, moved to Arizona. Um, we left Arizona thinking we wanted more whatever, you know, more space, more, I'm, I'm really into hunting. So, uh, more access to wild animals and opportunities to hunt, uh, more wild nature. So we moved up to Montana. You know, we want to buy some land and some water and kind of have the homestead type dream, which so many people mm-hmm. have. Um, yes, yeah, so we moved up to Montana. That didn't work out so good. Too cold, too dark, mm-hmm. too, uh, I don't know. Not progressive. Y'all were in the Bitterroot Valley, if mm-hmm. I remember. Okay, cool. Which is probably very different than like Bozeman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boz- yeah. If we had gone to Bozeman, it could have been a different experience. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, same thing. You think you think this thing is so much better than what you got, and you realize there's a lot of things that were great where you came from, mm-hmm. like sunshine. Mm-hmm. In, in, in Arizona, meaning like where you in Arizona, of, yeah. yeah. So Y'all were in Cottonwood, or is that the area you were in, or uh, yeah, Cottonwood near Sedona. Yeah, we've okay. always gravitated around Sedona because we like the vibe there mm-hmm. and, and the way people think and spirituality and progressive thinking, and all that. 
So when you and Melissa met in California, y'all, it sounds like y'all really hit it off. Yeah. And then oh yeah, all of a sudden y'all are living in Arizona. Where does when does Jeremiah come into the picture? Well, you know, this is a, it's kind of an interesting story. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not sure. If I, I know wonder it, if so Melissa would be okay with me getting into it. Uh, well, if we if we find out afterwards and we need to edit something out, okay, I'm fine okay, with okay, that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> How far do I go with this? Um, so yeah, M- Melissa and I really had a tremendous connection and still do have a tremendous connection. Um, but it was very tumultuous. So really intense, a lot of attraction, but we could never really get along. Hmm. We couldn't figure it out. We couldn't figure out how to have a relationship. Um, which was, it was, it was, you know, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> it was very, uh, it, it was very dramatic, you know, <laughs> which appeals in a certain way to, to, the humans um but we just go back and forth and back and forth and we break up and we get back together and break up and get back together like every two weeks wow yeah just yeah. just craziness pretty volatile but... extremely volatile <sighs> yeah um but then uh you know jeremiah came along and it wasn't something that we had necessarily planned but happened and um i was actually i had just left uh this job I had running this painting company. So I was kind of between businesses and I was helping this guy um, with his marketing and sales and staff training and stuff like that. It's kind of like an internal consultant type okay. thing. And I had just gotten out of that and, and um, I had really gotten into hunting and I had this dream to go back to Kauai and hunt goats with a bow and arrow. Wow. Because when I lived on Maui, I would travel to Kauai and hike to this... Um, valley called the Kalalau yeah. Valley, you know, you know oh, well, right? I'm somewhat familiar. I've, yeah. I've hiked up to like uh, Hanakapiai Falls, I believe it's called. But whatever the falls are four miles in. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But turned around. But yeah, I, I know a little bit about that. Area. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did that hike. Uh, it was like crazy experience. I was living out in that valley for a week or two. And I hiked back to those falls naked with just uh, a stick like a staff mm-hmm. and I was drinking out of the stream and, you know, eating guavas like to this brought nothing, uh, <laughs> not even, not even bathing suit. Uh, <laughs> and I, dude, I got up there and I was like in the falls and I came back and I was just lit up. I mean, it was transformative. Yeah. Experience. That's some special land there. And I remember too, I remember hiking into those waterfalls barefoot and it was getting kind of like my feet were getting kind of sore, but literally there was so much guava on the ground that I would just try to step on guava the whole time. And it was like soothing my <laughs> squish, feet. Squish, squish. And anytime I would hear one fall, I would eat it. Because yeah. they were, it was like it was some true like fruit forest or fruit jungle. Back oh, yeah. There. yeah. And, it's and the mangoes and. Yeah. So, right. You know, mm-hmm. incredible place. Um, but I, and there are these wild animals on Hawaii goats, uh, deer, pigs. A lot of people know about this, but they're they're not indigenous so there's no natural predators other than humans and the the population's completely unchecked so they're just running amok you know destroying the natural uh, flora and you know tearing up the trails and um they let you just kind of hunt uh unrestricted there so you know if you hunt in the in the in the u.s like here in colorado you've got to get a tag which can be challenging and expensive mm-hmm. if you're out of state and you got to apply and put your name in with other people and you know it can be hard uh, but in hawaii it's just kind of a free-for-all 
so I'd just gotten into hunting and I knew about uh, Kauai and this trail and I got my bow. I was in California and I was just shooting every single day in my backyard. I could only get like 20 yards, like from one corner of my backyard to the other, but I just shoot that thing every day. And I, I had this dream to go back to Kauai and, and go live in that valley and just eat goats okay. essentially for <laughs> goats and fruits for, and coconuts. Yeah. As long as I could sort of get away with that. So I had this dream, but then, but then Melissa's pregnant and, uh, I was like, baby, you know, I'll, I'm going to, I'll do the best I can, but I've got to do this, this, this trip. This is my, uh, this is my, my mission here. You know, this is a vision I have. I got to do this. I was like, I got to go. And she's like, okay, yeah, you still go, you, you go do that. Um, so I went and I spent like a month and a half on Kauai doing this crazy, uh, you know, bow and arrow goat hunting thing. Wow. I did not <laughs> yeah. know that you did this. This is amazing. Okay. Yeah. It was super cool because you, you know, you've done that trail. It's, I think it's 12 miles, 11 or 12 miles. Yeah, We didn't do the whole thing, but yeah, I, we did like a boat around the other side and then we hiked to the falls on the other side. But oh yeah yeah, yeah. 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 And, um, you know, you, you, you hike back there and you can't carry much stuff. So most people just have a backpack and their tent and some cliff bars and some dehydrated, you know, bland food. So I'd show up and hang out with all these campers with you know a whole goat that we'd roast over the fire and have this real fresh protein. So it happened. <laughs> people you are, actually yeah. took a goat. Yeah, people or... are like, yeah. You know, right. you're like, <laughs> I mean, talking about like a provider for the tribe. Yeah, yeah, right, right. I'm sure they were stoked. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was really cool. Um, but yeah, it all worked out, and I I shot a bunch of goats and <laughs> cooked them up and. How are the goats out there? I mean, have you eaten goats elsewhere and do they taste different over there? Because I know like when we went hunting yeah. for pigs in Maui, or not Maui, the Big Island, they were telling, we did go with dogs and the hunter actually did not kill any of the pigs the dogs caught because they were like either a mom or too small. Mm-hmm. But he was explaining to us that like the uh, jungle pigs are much tastier because all they eat are fruit. Oh, And yeah, like these yeah. mountain pigs, they just eat kind of like uh, roots and shoots and uh herbs and stuff like that and they're like the meat's more bland but i i'm just curious how was did you notice anything different with the tasting of the goat in in hawaii compared to here i've eaten because yeah it's a good question i've eaten a lot of domestic goats too okay um here but uh and I, i was i was purposefully eating younger smaller goats on hawaii okay because i knew you know a a, a big buck goat or ram, you know, they, they can be pretty gnarly animals. Not gnarly, like, like, like dangerous, they, or like what do you mean? Well, just it? just like they, the smell. Yeah, you know, they get really smelly. They'll pee on their own face. I mean, on their own the, face. Yeah, I've seen them pee on their own <laughs> face. I mean, even, can you uh, anatomically they, gifted yeah. enough to do that? <laughs> do they like lay on their back? How do they? <laughs> no, I, I, dick just, is just like a hose. I'm like, how do they? <laughs> somehow, I, I watch it. Kind of like tilt the leg right, you know, and the stream, boom, right oh, in the face. Oh, gosh, Lee. Yeah, so they're trying to make themselves as stinky and nasty as possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, goats are kind of gross. Like, male goats are kind of gross. They are, yeah. My understanding of, yeah. like, uh, why when someone has, like, goat cheese or goat milk that tastes like a goat, yeah. there's two, and maybe you know this more than I do, but it's if a billy goat, the male, is around the females because it just mm-hmm. gets that testosterone mm-hmm. on, like, maybe the urine and all over, that, all over the females. Yeah. And then the other one is if you don't make it cold right away. Allegedly, if it like stays hot, then it gets that goatier taste. I don't know. Do y'all drink goat milk? Is that something y'all are yeah. doing? I know y'all do all yeah. kinds of animal-based nutrition. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we do goat milk. Um, but yeah, so I was trying not to shoot these big, nasty, stinky goats. Yeah, that makes um, sense. And so I was smaller, better-tasting 
younger goats. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they were fine. And the other reason I was doing that is because I knew it was hot and I didn't have any food preservation. Mm-hmm. So there's no ice, there's no refrigerator. So pretty much everything I hunted, I needed to be eaten right away. Yep. So, did y'all eat the organs when you would do that? Yeah. Yeah. That's the first thing I do is eat the, you know, eat the heart and liver. Mm-hmm. And then I'd, I'd quarter it and I'd put the quarters in my backpack. Okay. And, and I'd hike out there and, uh, you know, make a fire and just cook the whole legs over a fire. Wow. Go wow. at it. And, and, you know, you're so tired. Like you've just hiked this crazy hard up and down elevation hike. And, and, uh, you know, the, the hike is hard enough, but then add in like chasing some goat off the trail. <laughs> it sounds <laughs> kind of dangerous like, too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause there were times where I was going after one and, and got onto this ridiculous cliff and thought, what the hell am I doing? That's what I've heard. I've heard yeah. goat yeah. and sheep hunting cause they hang out in those such like suspect uh-huh. steep areas. The yeah. hunters, it seems like one of the most dangerous hunts. Oh, totally. And, but, could, and then, and then you get that mentality where you're going after it, you know, <laughs> Which is built into us, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, we got to get that thing. Um, yeah, so we just uh, yeah cook it all up and eat it. It's, it's incredible. And then the water out there, you would just drink from streams, or like, was there a specific spring? Yeah, so there were um, there were some kind of practices around it, and certain streams. So so you hang out there in the valley long enough. There's a lot of people that have been out there a lot, and they they, they know which streams are safer to drink out of. Okay, like some some. You know, as you're going on that that trail, you're going in and out of these valleys, and some of the valleys have a lot more pigs in them. Yep. And those are the ones you don't drink out of because the lip. What is it called? The that pee disease if they pee in the water. Uh, yeah, yeah. Leptosclerosis or, the, or, or something or giardia. Giardia. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it was kind of known that there were some streams that were safer to drink from, and there were some springs that came off the the mountain. Okay. So if you had a little bit of local knowledge. Um, you know, I remember meeting this one guy that was just super badass and he'd go hike out there with no water. He'd do this 11 day, all day hike and he'd just drink all the water he could at the beginning. Okay. And then he knew like one more spring along the way, he'd drink some water there and then you could drink out of the mainstream when you got there. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some, I mean Matt, that, that area must attract some of the most radical people on earth. Oh my God. Earth. Can you imagine? Uh, yeah. 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 Just think about that. You know, you got this, this valley in the middle of nowhere no no roads in you can take a boat which i i used to do sometimes when i when i learned how this worked the strategy was to take a boat and then bring all your food and your heavy stuff with you mm-hmm. and then stay for a few weeks eat up all the food and then you just hike out that with your pack and your sleeping bag but even that i mean did you do that you no do no boat? we never stayed on the beach there we would just kind of like we were yeah. doing more retreat style stuff so we would kind of show people like the first part of the hike or yeah. we would uh, go around and like look at the view from the kodiak whatever that thing is called yeah yeah but even the boat thing wasn't easy because the boat couldn't come right in because of the surf yeah i remember so, that hearing about that yeah, yeah yeah so we'd put our backpacks and our food in garbage bags and chuck them off the boat and jump into the water and try to wrestle your 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 garbage bag full of stuff like through the surf. Man, that sounds crazy. <laughs> and get washed up onto the beach and then like go try and find your other bag that got you know got lost and pull that up on the beach. I mean, it was not, nothing about it was easy. Well, <laughs> was and then you know, for simple. a lot of people, when they hear a story like that, the very first thing they're thinking about is like, "What well, is there sharks?" Or did you ever see a shark out there? You know, it's funny. I lived in Hawaii and I spent so much time in the water and. uh 
this is, and this is my experience with all dangerous animals. I never see them, like almost, and I want to see them, you know, because so many people are afraid of these things. But I'm like, I would love to see a mountain lion, you know, look up and see one cruising up on the the rock above me, or or see sharks. And I spend all this time in the water, and just, yeah, I never have experiences with them. And it's amazing it's so too interesting. how like someone like you wants to see them and spend all the time in the water, <laughs> never see them, and then other people will never get in the water because they're so terrified that they might see them. Yeah, exactly. It's like what a what a different mentality. Yeah. <laughs> so after that, huh, you get, you spent a month and a half in Kauai yeah. while she was pregnant, basically? Was yeah, pretty much. Okay. Exactly. Um, not sure that was the best thing to do, but well, you know, yeah. I, I had this I had this thing I was doing, and we, we were on and off a lot. You know, it was very tumultuous and, and volatile, and I was like, I don't know what's going to happen here. This is really like, I don't know how this is going to go. Um, but but I had some clarity while I was there, as people often do out in the woods. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just, you know, realized that I needed to go be a part of her life and, and of this child's life. Like I felt this calling to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and I also thought, well, you know, how, why would I? I wouldn't want to deprive this kid of having a really cool dad. Yeah, <laughs> so for I sure. I might have like a lot to offer, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, so I, so I went back, and um, and Melissa had gone to Arizona at that time to hang out with her mom, who was okay. there. And I didn't know how this was going to go because I had just been on Hawaii, like having this, uh, you know, big adventure, and um, and I came back and and I said, let's make this work, let's figure it out, and we did. And it was a little like rocky at first, but we really committed to doing a lot of personal work, and we worked with some different uh, counselors mm -hmm. and 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 committed ourselves to, uh, you know, making the best out of it and figuring it out. And it was a real success story. It did work. Um, you know, we we joke, right? We hear we hear about a lot of couples that are having having issues and whatnot and they can't figure it out and we we say oh just have a baby <laughs> no probably not I, I don't know if it always works like that but in, in our case we we're really fortunate and and committed to figuring it out and and we did and it's it's a uh, you know it's been a miracle really cool yeah, well, I got to hang out with uh, Jeremiah a little bit yesterday he seems just super healthy and enthusiastic and curious yeah. and wild he's very wild I yeah. mean, that's great. Yeah, it, it is. It is. And he's very much like me. But that was always my fear was that having a kid like me. And of course, that's what happens. Yeah, yeah. Right. Because he's very opinionated and he's got his own ideas. And he's, uh, you know, like my little bit of my story, right? Growing up and not wanting to go to school and doing things my own way, which works out great as an adult. But yeah, it's hard as a child. How it, old is he now? He's uh almost six. Almost six. So has he gone to school at all, or what's y'all's plans around schooling? Yeah, he. So we did. So we didn't know how we we're going to navigate that. You know, I'm obviously didn't take the school path myself. Um, Melissa did better with it. Uh, so I was like, oh yeah, no school. Forget that. I'm never, <laughs> never doing that. Oh yeah. Um, but it actually has really been good for him. He goes to this. Uh, it's it's like an arts school. Oh, cool! For preschool. Oh, nice. And he goes two or three days a week for you know four hours or so. So it's not a ton, but he loves it. it gives him something to do. He's an yeah. only child. He's bored as hell at home. You know. Well, so, that's great. So I, it's I, great. Yeah, I love the alternative like pre K programs. Davina, when she, before she started kindergarten, she was like an all outdoors like forest school. 
Yeah. And I think it's just like a great way to start education um, rather than like the projection of reality through other people's ideas and textbooks to be outside in nature, yeah. literally touching and feeling and smelling and seeing the things you're wanting to learn about. Yeah. So I, yeah, that's cool. That's, uh, is that there? Are y'all in Arizona now or where y'all? Yeah. 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 Okay, so, cool. so yeah, we went to North Carolina as well. Montana. Oh, so y'all tried North Carolina as yeah, well. Yeah. We tried North the Carolina? East coast. Cause I, I thought I might want to be closer to family. My family's in Florida okay. still. So we went to Asheville, yeah. which is like, you know, you run around in these kind of circles and you start to hear these sort of conscious bubbles mm-hmm. where people are forward thinking and, and trying to do good stuff in the world. Um, but we, we found it was, it was still the East coast and mm-hmm. we're, 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 we're people of the West. <laughs> you know, we like the big open spaces and mountains and, uh, do you think y'all stay in that Arizona area or y'all still craving, uh, looking for new spots? Man, I don't, I don't want to move again. I'm done. <laughs> that move from Montana, it almost killed me. It took oh. me a full freaking year to, to, <laughs> to recover from that. What, what was so, what was the most hard part about that? Oh, well, we just kind of left in a hurry. Um, Melissa, we came down with the camper. Melissa and Jeremiah stayed in Arizona because we were just, Melissa was having a really hard time with the winter. And, and yeah. having, having like some psychological, like legitimate challenges with it. Um, that happens even here in Boulder. And Boulder's yeah. pretty sunny for the winter, but I have some friends that kind oh, yeah. of are hard to get in touch with in the wintertime. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, like the and, and when we're, where we were in Montana, the sun didn't come out for a month no, at that's a time. Cra- that's I mean, it was crazy. insane. It was that insane. It would just get socked in with this thing called the inversion where these clouds, these low-level clouds would just take over and you'd that didn't leave for weeks, you know? Yeah, that's scary because, like, for me, I, the cold, you, you, I put me in negative 20 degrees as long as I'm going to get some sun that week. Yeah. Then I'm, I'll be okay. But if you take the sun away for a month yeah, or two weeks, I'm like, that is scary. Yeah. That's scary stuff. Seriously. And I've seen that in Scandinavia, like, in the fall. I'm like, okay, no wonder you guys are so happy in July. You're, like, waiting for this for, like, eight months. <laughs> yeah, so I can relate a little bit. So y'all, so y'all, were, y'all were done with no sun. We were done. Yeah, we were done. I was doing okay. You know, I was making flutes, making a bunch of these Native American flutes, and we had a wood a wood shop on our property. So I'd go out there and feed this wood stove, and I had all these woodworking tools, and that's what it's about there. It's a shop culture. Okay. So people stay inside, and they craft and build stuff and make furniture or whatever. Um, but yeah, Melissa's done with it. And there's grizzly bears up there, speaking of predators, right? There weren't so much in the area we were, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. And wolves it's potentially? Are there wolves? There in were area? a lot of wolves. Had yeah. y'all ever seen any wolves? No, never seen Ever hear them? Uh, I might have heard them like once or twice. They, we heard a lot about them okay. because of the the decimation of the sort of wildlife that happened because of the wolf introduction mm-hmm. from people that hunt and people that have livestock. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a whole conversation. Yeah, it seems like it. Which I, I'm sure there's both sides of i yeah i I hear i've I've never seen a wolf but man i can uh when someone has uh their livelihood is based on their cattle yeah and and all of a sudden there's all these predators like going for your your livestock going for your livelihood that's a that's what i found you know it's one thing to talk about the this type of thing you know if you're in san francisco and you're trying to save the animal (laughs) the wolf or whatever but yeah, when you when it's you living there in Montana and these things are destroying your livelihood and you know I I, I was um I hung out with this guy uh, that hunted a lot 
because I, I helped out with the mule deer foundation and he was like a founding member or whatever. And, um, he, so, so he used to hunt elk in this area of Montana every year on a general tag. So you're able to just go down and buy your tag every year as a resident and go hunt elk there. And, um, that started to go away in this area because as the wolves were introduced, the elk populations were plummeting like mm-hmm. like like massively and he flew over with a biologist to count the number of elk in this area and i mean they had i forgot the numbers but it was like 90 percent decrease in and and elk in this area so much so that now there's only 25 tags a year for a bull elk and before it was just unlimited it was, yeah it was unlimited that is crazy isn't that crazy i, and, mean, I mean you hear stories like that and you're like eh. are they do you know do like do this guy that did this research if you happen to know are these wolves going like on killing sprees or are they only eating with they're they killing what they eat well yes well you know you, you hear stories um and i'm not an expert in this so so if anybody's listening it's like oh that's not true you know mm-hmm. this is just this is just me hearing it from people in the field that are seeing the results of things mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um but but supposedly what happened was the wolves that were reintroduced in this country are a different species of wolves than were here before. Oh, wow. so so <laughs> there are these the there are wolves from Canada that were brought in that are much larger. Okay, and and aren't exactly the same type of wolf that was here. So they're bigger. They eat more. They're they're not they're they're a different breed. I see like the, the same thing for bison and elk. They're, they're bigger up there. Yeah, and some of the like the, the yeah. variations of breeds in Canada are bigger. Yeah, and that's yeah, it's, right. That that's like a that's a that's just a fact. The, the further north you go, the bigger everything gets. Okay, people too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Boulder is a pretty thin city, huh? Yeah, that's true. I like I'm gonna, yeah. when I stay here for a while yeah. and I leave, I'm like, oh my gosh, I forgot like how much extra weight people are oh, carrying yeah, yeah, around the shocking. world. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, that. Uh, anyways, I would like to see some wolves. I mean, they seem amazing, but they also seem like the worst thing to be attacked by, like as from an animal's well, perspective. Well, yeah, yeah, because they, uh, they, they. One thing is they can kill by consumption, so they just start eating while the whatever alive. the animal's still alive. Yeah, yeah I feel like a mountain lion will like, get a jugular and kill it, and then maybe yeah. I'm wrong. But those wolves, when I see a wolf like those videos of them taking the bison down and just like chewing on their ankles for like hours. Yeah. I'm like that looks terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is, you know, people are people that are concerned about hunting being unethical, you know, uh, humans hunting, it's actually the best way for an animal to go, really, where, where it could be eaten alive by a wolf, or lose all its teeth in old age and starve to death because it just can't eat enough food. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just it, death in the wild is is not a pretty thing. <laughs> yeah, you know? I don't even think it's that pretty in the in the domesticated human world. Yeah, but we just do true. such a good job of that's, guarding it. That's true. And hiding it and burying it and, and embalming it yeah. and all kinds of things. Yeah. Do you have any opinion on that side? No, like, do you have a preference of how you would like to do with your body when you're done with it? Yeah, you know, I just want to go out in the woods and never come back. Uh, okay. <laughs> People, be, what happened to that guy? I don't know. He just he was gone. Maybe aliens got. I don't know. He just disappeared. Or like when I used to sail a lot, I used to sail little boats. Mm-hmm. I always had this vision of just going out on my boat and just never coming back. Mm. <laughs> So it reminds me of like the Truman Show until you hit the wall. You're like, wait, what's this wall here? But but in like in seriousness, yeah, I, I just uh, I I I'm I I want the opposite of the traditional. Spend a bunch of money 
and put me in some expensive thing that doesn't decompose. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, like I tell Melissa, you know, if I go before you, don't spend a dime <laughs> on a dead person. I mean, it's a kind of a nice thing to tell someone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because if that's not told and someone ends up like getting into a huge financial crisis because yeah. in addition to dealing with a death. Yeah, totally. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, to put, 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 put that burden on somebody is crazy. Yeah. But, you know, I, I do. I think a lot about this stuff. I think about death and, and these things. And I think it's important. I think, uh, I, think I imagine should. most hunters do more than the average folk. That's probably true. Yeah, because you're, you're connected with it mm-hmm. all the time. And on that note, because um, I remember, like, just to circle back to the idea of, like, if, hey, if you're having relationship problems, have a baby. Um, yeah. that, that idea for y'all. This is a wide spanning conversation. <laughs> One of the things about that, though, that I remember, and I think I talked to Melissa about it. You should, y'all should check out that podcast. That was a fun interview. I did that one in Arizona, actually, in Sedona. But, um, she made it sound like y'all, everything just got more successful in your lives, including business. Is, is yeah. that true? Was it, were y'all yeah. like having a successful business before Jeremiah or did it really like take off? Once yeah, that's Jer- a cool story too. Um, so I've always been into business. I've always been into entrepreneurship because it, it just dovetailed with that desire of mine for freedom and autonomy and to create my own reality and to be outside the box and not go with the system. And, you know, it's just like, it was perfect. Um, and I had varying levels of success with it. Like my first business, I was fortunate. It was, was most people would say very successful, um, you know, was that the which one was that the window cleaning uh, the, okay, pressure cool. washing the funniest business. thing is i know someone in boulder mm-hmm. that has a window cleaning business here and he wants to sell it to do it in hawaii oh i yeah. don't know if you happen to know him i can't remember his name maybe we'll cross paths with him at the creek well I, it's a hard business to sell yeah, it, it he, was, he said he makes it like he can't get out of it he doesn't know how to get out of it well that's the thing because i tried to sell that business in hawaii and okay. it was successful but i was still working it a lot okay. like i had employees but i was still out there you know in the field checking on things like doing all the books doing you know the marketing like scheduling customers and we put it up for sale with a broker Mm -hmm. um i think i tried to sell it for like 100 grand or something like that or 200 grand um i forgot but but yeah it was just like nothing you know crickets nobody wanted to touch it because it's a job like who who wants to buy a job (laughs) you know <laughs> that is different. Yeah, that is different. I got you. But in, you know, if, if you had a big enough company to where you had you know five teams of people out there cleaning windows for you, mm-hmm. and you had an office manager that was running everything and answering the phone, and you had a bookkeeper, now that's like an asset that somebody might buy because mm-hmm. they don't have to work it. Yep, yeah, that um, makes sense. But yeah, so mine was kind of a you know a job. It was a good job. It was like the best job you could ever have. And but it was an actual like business like. An yeah. LLC of sorts or something? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah what was yeah. the name of your business? Uh, Clean King. Clean King. Clean yeah, King like, LLC, yeah. 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 <laughs> and we, we ended up doing lots of stuff. Like we, I had a few trucks doing windows, and I had a truck with a big uh, trailer-mounted pressure washer. Oh, cool. So we are cleaning buildings and concrete and all that stuff. Um, so, yeah, it was a great business, but, but I got really um, tired of the service business thing mm-hmm. because I realized that my income – was determined by either me out there working or the number of people that I could hire, which had each one had to be managed and each person has emotions and mm-hmm. and hopes and dreams and issues and you know, every single one of them. So for each like uh, you know percentage, I wanted to double the business or whatever, I had to add more people. 
which I, I found a ceiling, you know, pretty quickly, especially in Hawaii where nobody goes there to work. Mm-hmm. Everyone's there to surf <laughs> or screw off yeah, or yeah, whatever, yeah. drink, drink my ties or, you know, um, so anyway, so, so then I, I decided, I read the four hour work week. Oh, nice. Which, anybody ever heard of that? Uh, few, few. I think that, that was actually, I've, that was a game changer book for me too. Yeah, just like the yeah. shift, the perspective shift. Yeah, exactly. Right. And I just, I just, I, I read about the product based business selling a product mm-hmm. and he talked a lot about digital products and i said well that's it i gotta get a product i gotta get a product business so i could just i'm i'm unlimited by you know, how many products i could sell uh so so i tried to sell a business i couldn't sell it but i um i uh i broke it apart which is this is really cool okay. and, and and instead of selling the business as a whole i sold the vehicles Oh, nice. So I sold. I stripped all the names off the vehicles and sold those for cash. I sold the phone number to a competitor. Mm-hmm. So I was like, "Hey, buy this phone number and just answer the phone. And all these people will call you one window cleaning." It's <laughs> <laughs> like, "Great, I'll take it." Uh, wow, wow! I sold the pressure washing part, you know, the equipment mm-hmm. and and all the supplies and and. Stuff How did like you acquire that. all that? You know, I just I I never took out loans or anything. I just I just kept reinvesting money back in the business okay i'd make some money and buy some more stuff um you know i've always been kind of scrappy mm-hmm. i never got investors or loans or anything for anything i've done i've just funded it myself and nice nice um yeah i had this other cool thing uh i was doing this government contract this is this is a really if anyone that's interested in like business and leverage this is like such a cool play but I had this government contract. And I had the specialized equipment I built to do it. So I had this this pole that would clean windows with uh, with purified water, okay. like RO water, okay, like okay. RODI water. I had this giant RODI thing like, built onto of a tap trailer. Water. Yeah. Okay. So it wouldn't leave spots on the glass. That would make sense. Yeah. And like I had, there was this like Air Force building on Maui that was all glass. It was like wall to wall glass, and nobody else could clean this thing. So I got this contract. It took me a few years to get it. But it was like eighteen or no, like twenty twenty four hundred dollars a month, and we did it twice a month. Okay. Um, so that was included in the whole thing. It was, it was like it's like twelve hundred bucks a cleaning or something. Yep. Took took a few hours, which was a great deal. Yeah, that's a great deal. But I had this contract locked down, and I had this equipment. So I so there's this other window cleaner. I said, hey, you know, I got this equipment. I'll I'll make you a great deal on the equipment. I'll sell it to you, and I got this job. So, so go out there and look at this building and tell me what you would charge to clean it. And he goes out and looks at it. And he's like, oh, let's see, got to do it twice a month. And he goes, well, I, 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 would, I, would do that, uh, I would do that for $500. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said, okay, is that, is that, was it worth it to you? Is it a good deal? He's like, yeah, it's a great deal. I said, great. So I'm going to hire you to do it. Here's my equipment. I'll sell you that for like two grand or whatever and just go do it. <laughs> So, so I, he would go out there, and I kept the contract in my name. I subbed it out to this guy, and he'd go out there and he'd clean it. And he had a good time, and and I paid him. I told the uh, the the client, I said, you know, start sending the checks to my California office. Okay. <laughs> so, so I would email them the the invoice. They'd they'd send me the check. So I would make, uh, you know, I'd make like almost two thousand dollars a month in like 10 minutes of time <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> so, I, so i calculated like the hours you know and it was it was some astronomical figure but 
it was really cool, you know, just just being creative around what you got mm-hmm. and see how you can turn it into something. And how long did that continue for? When you with- <laughs> went on for like two years. Nice. It was, was unbelievable. That's so I was, great. I was like every month. I, I was like a kid going to the candy store at the bank. You know, like I can't believe this is. But how working. did you acquire that gut? Because you know, I, every once in a while, I hear about crazy stuff. Like even in the town, like yeah. oh yeah, they're giving like twenty five thousand dollars to a hundred people that are doing like an ed- for an educational grant if you're like a Boulder local yeah. or like this like how how does someone get a if they have a service based industry like uh, window washing how do they work for the government yeah how, how do they get those so 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 in this instance the um the the project manager whatever facility manager of this business contacted me and said come out and give a quote come out and look at this building and and I went out and looked at it and and, and a bunch of, they'd hired other people for way less that weren't doing a good job. Okay. Like when I looked at it, it was hilarious. It was like, you could see where a person had cleaned half of it and they just gave up. <laughs> and they just stopped. And it was like, I mean, it, it was hard. It was like all glass and they're out there with squeegees. And you had a special tool. Yeah, basically. yeah, yeah. So I gave him a quote and he's like, oh, that's expensive. Um, I said, yeah, well, it's going to get done and it's going to actually look good. And mm-hmm. it's going to, and, and, uh, you know, it just it took two years of, of them hiring other crappy people, not getting it done. Until they finally and, found your price was worth it. And finally he called back and was like, okay, here, here's a contract. Come do it. Wow. Wow, that's awesome. And I'm like, great. I mean, that's a great lesson in business, too, is that stuff takes time a lot of times. We want everything so fast, but... Yeah, yeah, that's been the that that has been the major lesson for me shifting from like the service based industry of hosting retreats to doing the product based industry of tribe vitamins. Yeah, just like a lot of patience because there's so many people involved there, not me, in manufacturing the items. Oh and, like, yeah, the whole supply chain. Yeah. And I'm just like, if one thing slows down, it slows everything down. Oh yeah, and that is different than just being like hustling my own ass off and hosting a retreat and making everything get done within four days and it's over. Right, right. It's, it's quicker. Yeah, it's, it's more efficient in terms of making money right away because mm-hmm. you can go like yeah, you can get out your your phone and call up some people and say hey, come to my retreat, mm-hmm. right? And, and that's something that you started doing now. It sounds right. You all started now that you. I mean, I know we're kind of circling, like spiralizing around this conversation, but you got out of the window washing business. Then you. Yeah, I want to come back to that question you asked about um about jeremiah and business mm-hmm. and and yeah because it's a good story um but anyway i was just yeah i've, I've had a bunch of different businesses I, I got really into this product based business idea um I, I got into the digital product thing so i made, wrote some ebooks that sucked and didn't sell at all and what were those about out of curiosity man there was like uh i wrote one about window cleaning business oh, okay interesting know. that's um I wrote some. Uh, I wrote one about um, how to heal your back with yoga. Oh, cool! Which was a big story for me. Okay. You know, um, did some like yoga for cyclists, bike riders stuff, just all kinds of things, but nothing I really committed to. And it's like that old story that uh, you know you have so many more failures. Would you put them on Kindle or how did you publish them? Man, back then this was before all that. This oh, was wow. before Kindle. You know, I, I got I got into this digital marketing thing. And this was before, like, video marketing and, and YouTube was big. I mean, not, like, way before, but but before. And, and I bought – I found this guy, like, on a Google search. Um, it might have been, like, a Yahoo search back then. <laughs> and and he was teaching how to uh, 
create digital products and make money. But I bought this this like zip file from him, you know. There was just him like, like the instructions yeah, about how yeah, to make yeah, everything you, work. Yeah, here. you like bought a zip file and you downloaded it to your hard drive and you opened wow. it up and he's got all these PDFs and it was hilarious. Oh, wow. And it just now I look at it and I'm like, gosh, this has changed so much. But um I got really into this and then I started a business uh teaching yoga teachers how to grow their businesses. Oh wow. And video was getting bigger then, so I did a lot of video um, courses and trainings and uh, interview summits to build an email list, and I studied all these programs to do that. And it was pretty successful. Uh, it helped a lot of people. It just never really made enough money mm-hmm. financially. Um, but then when I got with Melissa, I, I had just been in Hawaii, been hunting goats. I had nothing going on. I had some savings. And... Um, have babies on the way we're like what the heck are we gonna do i gotta get some money coming in here <laughs> yeah what the, i mean what's a bigger catalyst than the baby on the way yeah exactly yeah yeah so i knew i had to figure something out and we were in sedona and i became aware of this industry of uh people um taking other people out into the into the red rocks onto the land and helping them to connect to nature and connect to spirit and meditate you know set intentions have like this whole intentional journey mm-hmm. on, on on the land there so i got this job with this company doing that and um he he uh we couldn't burn uh sage or palo santo for mm-hmm. our ceremonies because mm-hmm. it's a desert you know fire bands everything yeah. burn up so he was making this um uh he showed me how to make this product the spray the smudge spray okay and um i was like oh this is cool so melissa saw me uh making this in the kitchen the guy gave me the recipe he's like all right oh this much sage as much palo santos much oil whatever and, and melissa's always made stuff and she's entrepreneurial minded too and she goes hey why don't we sell that and and I you know I'm a business guy I'm like yeah let's sell this as a product, and I had been really excited about this idea of selling on Amazon mm-hmm. and learning about it, um, which a lot of people have heard of Amazon FBA where where you create products and you list them online, and um, Amazon sells them for you essentially in a lot of ways. Uh, so yeah we just I just you know watched some videos on how to do it and did it. <laughs> we were making them in the kitchen and. Uh, yeah, it just started out like super grassroots. Um, but you know, like with, when I, when a, w- this guy told me, this sort of spiritual mentor that also does uh, journeys in Sedona, he said, you know, Chris, uh, a baby brings two loaves of bread. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? Uh, and he said, well, you know, w- w- the, the, this new soul that's coming into the world wants to be supported. So there's this energy behind this new human coming in that can create the space for a lot of abundance and a lot of uh, uh, prosperity and opportunity can come your way. Um, so yeah, I really, I really resonate it with that. And and that's what happened. I mean, the business really took off. And the smudge spray on smudge Amazon. Smudge sprays on Amazon. Yeah. Did y'all start like just one flagship product and niche in on yeah. that? Or yeah, it was a great niche at the time. Um, not so you know like everything on Amazon, nothing lasts forever, especially on Amazon. I should say. Okay. And it's not such a great niche. There's more competitors now, and uh, you know the market has changed. But when we got into it, 
it was it was it was much better, and we were able to get a, a good uh, foothold. Were there other smudge sprays on Amazon at this point? There know? was a couple. Okay. Yeah, there was a few. And that's how you, you know, so so that's how you know a good opportunity on Amazon and probably business in general is that the, the world is so complex now and there's so many people doing so many things. Most things have been thought of for the most part, you know, like there's very few really great things out there, products that haven't been invented yet. I'm, of course, there, there are. Uh, on that note, I do have a question for you. Do yeah. you believe, because like for instance, with the bison liver thing before it was out and we were the first one to launch like 100% grass-fed bison liver, I believe that that idea was like in the ethers in a way and I mm. was tuned into it and other people were tuned into it. And it's just like who is so I, I it's almost like a an entity in itself the idea oh sure and then like who's gonna take action on it so I, I sort of agree with you and I kind of it's like a little differing opinion because it's almost like a, when I get an idea I'm like this is not only my idea mm. like I if I want to be the one to steward this I need to start taking action now because otherwise someone else will totally yeah <laughs> yeah okay and yeah oh yeah no I, I totally I, I agree with you and that that I, I felt the same way about ideas and businesses in general is that they almost have their own spirit mm -hmm. and and they've got their own agenda mm -hmm. in a way and we're we're like this vessel that they work through mm -hmm. and a lot of times they have their own timeline and and their own sort of growth cycle and decline cycle which isn't very fun when it's happening but it's true you know like i've been had businesses where i'm i'm just working my ass off and they're not going anywhere and i'm just like i don't get it what's happening and it's because the universe was trying to say hey chris it's time to like you know let this one go and go do something else mm -hmm. um which you know as looking back makes a lot of sense but when it's happening it kind of sucks yeah i mean um, it sounds like you've are you the smudge spray amazon root was an upgrade to what you were doing before yeah 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 but I, yeah that's that's really a great point and, and 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 you're so right that that other people can be working on it at the same time mm -hmm. and when the world is so public like it is now yeah. that's all happening you know I, I had a i had this guy that i was i was trying to help him with a product on amazon i won't say what it is um but but i look at this enough and i know when there's a good opportunity because it was like there was there was one other one that was doing pretty good but it was didn't have a million reviews it had like 100 reviews it had good sales and he had this idea to make it way better mm -hmm. like to innovate on the product and i told him i was like dude i look at this stuff all day long this is a good deal I'm like you gotta do this <laughs> you know um mm -hmm. and, he, and he didn't end up following through completely with it he started it but sure enough i just looked at it the other day and there's five other people doing it oh, you wow. know yeah. like and i told him that when he was working i said i said you got to work on this fast because there are other people working on it right now mm -hmm. i said right now there's people working on it just like you are sitting in their computers at home looking at this opportunity you know yeah, that's. I mean, do you consult people on Amazon? It sounds like you have a gift there. And I remember I, I talked to you a couple times over the past few years about just ideas. Uh, is that something you do as a business as well? Um, yeah, I'm open to it. I, I don't have like an established agency, mm -hmm. so to speak, like a lot of people do. But but I love helping people, and and I love ideas, and I love business. And you know, if somebody needs help, I'm totally up, open to mentorship. Awesome. I mean, because um, like, for instance, in my situation and other people that have similar businesses in their own field, 
My understanding is that like if I had a scalable enough product to get into Whole Foods, that Whole Foods like kind of uses Amazon sales to determine what goes in the stores. Is that something true, or is that have something you've learned? That's a yeah. I don't know much about that, like that side of commerce, mm-hmm. the grocery store or Whole Foods thing. But I do know that it makes sense because Whole Foods and Amazon are the same thing, and they have just this incredibly massive data set. Right mm-hmm. on on buying habits and people and profiles. I mean, it's kind of scary. Like, <laughs> what's going on there? So yeah, that makes sense that they would communicate mm-hmm. and look for opportunities that way. That does make sense. Um, I do want to talk about the retreat business, uh, the hunting retreat business that you've. It sounds like it's a, sort of a newer endeavor. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we do that, for someone that might be having an idea that they want to get a product on Amazon, is there like a, just a basic set of principles that you Mm -hmm. would get them to consider before before beginning or while beginning? Yeah. Yeah. I I would, I would definitely talk about that because I can think I can help people learn from our screw ups. Um, (laughs) and number one is, is that, uh, concept of, is there something there already selling pretty well? If there's, if, if the thing you've got doesn't sell, there's nothing else like it. There's one of two things that are happening. One, either it's the it's the it's the world's greatest opportunity and just no one's doing it yet. Mm-hmm. But which is possible, mm-hmm. you know? But more than likely nobody wants it. Mm-hmm. And and this is hard because as human emotional beings and you know, we our hopes and dreams and desires, like we we, we think our stuff is really cool. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I do. I, we've made all kinds of stuff for Juniper Mist, our company. I thought it was really cool, but nobody wanted it. Mm-hmm. Well, we're like, <laughs> what were one of the items that you thought were like as awesome items yeah, that didn't so sell we, well? So we we've run off this like smokeless smudging theme. You know, mm-hmm. so so we got the spray. So instead of burning sage or burning Palo Santo with all the smoke and ash and whatnot, or you know, maybe your apartment complex and you can't burn stuff. Um, that's been a great niche. This is spray, and we thought, wow, you know, maybe people would like a soap. We just take these scents and put them into soap, and and people love soap. Well. Nobody really wanted a smudge soap. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> a few people did. I could see that being kind of cool too. Yeah. I mean, like I would have yeah. thought that maybe, especially yeah. with the customer base already there. Yep. And then we did a bath salt. Same thing. We thought it was so cool to do this essential oil bath salt. You could smudge and cleanse energy when you're in the bath. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nobody really wanted nobody. that. Interesting. Wow. <laughs> but both of those things you go on Amazon and there's no other ones. Really? Right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So so we wow. so so that was an example of oh this looks like a cool idea that no one's doing. Well, it's cuz nobody really wants it. Okay. So the the and 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 you know, don't everyone listening, don't let that discourage you. You might have that idea. You might have that thing that that people want that just isn't out there. But Amazon's so big and there's so many people doing it, it's more than likely it's not a, that great of an opportunity. That would make sense. So, so what you want is something that, that that there's somebody doing it already, and and there's all these tools where you can look behind the scenes of what people are selling. Amazon even shows you now, like it's public. Oh, really? If you go on a product, yeah, it says 500 of these sold in the last month. Oh, okay. Wow. Or like. 5,000 sold in the last week. Wow. You know? And you're like, holy shit. Like, it's mind-boggling how much stuff people sell on there. Yeah. Of just like, you know, a coffee whisk or something. You just think is ridiculous. Like, really? People are selling that many little coffee whisks? And like in that example, is is that like a strike of like 
dumb luck with an algorithm or is their product better or do you think and like how does that happen how does just like a one coffee whisker start dominating on amazon oh yeah well that's another conversation <laughs> but yeah there's a whole strategy around so, so once you find this once you find this product you find this thing and you're like okay like this guy that was helping his product he, there, there was there was there was one person doing really well with it they had a few different options they had some nice ads they had a good brand you know, you could look at that and go, oh, crap, somebody's already got it. But there's room for at least three or four or five good brands for everything. Okay. So you find one that, that somebody else is already doing and people are buying it. I think that's the biggest thing. Okay. It's like as, as a marketer, you got to sell stuff that people want. Yep. And it's not what you think they want, right? <laughs> like that. And me too. I go through this too. Like I'm always like, well, I think this is so cool, but... It doesn't matter, you know. It's it's if the customer that's, wants that it. That can be tough. It, it can be. That's like a humbling yeah. thing to be like, wow, what I think works might not be what works. Totally, totally. And I might need to do what the market wants to say what I want. Mm -hmm. That's that's a, okay. Yeah. So you find something, and and that's how you know the market wants it. When you can use these tools to see how many sales this person's having of this thing you know and you can see, okay, well, this company sell they sold five hundred of these last month. And there's only one brand doing it. They've got 150, 200 reviews. I'd be like, that's a good opportunity. Mm -hmm. If I saw that type of thing, I'd be like, hmm, well, maybe I should make that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? So like how to potentially <laughs> innovate and upgrade on yeah, that. Yeah. And then you look at it and you go, okay, how can I make this better? Mm -hmm. Because it's so easy to just throw out the same thing with a different name. And that's what a lot of people do, but you know, it doesn't really get you anywhere. Yeah, like I mean, if they're white labeling the same exact product. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah that's kind of how I thought of with the liver because when before tribe vitamins, there was beef liver from right. New Zealand dairy cows, and I'm like, where's the 100% grass-fed bison liver? Right. But exactly. I, then then I found out that our supply is quite limited for Amazon. Oh, because like there's it, a reason. There's way more cows than there are. Yeah, buffalo. about a hundred million yeah. cows to about a half a million bison, <laughs> and like eighty plus percent of bison are finished on grain, so we can't even buy from them. Oh man. Yeah, so, so it's, it's a supply challenge. Yeah, but at the same time, the demand, the supply is increasing because I think some of the uh, grain finished suppliers are considering stopping doing that because there may be a higher demand and a niche audience for all grass fed, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, that's such a great example, though, of you seeing a product that's already out there that people are buying and then making it better mm -hmm. and making it different. And and then and then you've created this whole brand around. Yeah, it, you yeah. know, I mean, it's incredible. And that's why I'm, I'm basically working on something that one day I can put on Amazon that I think that's scalable enough. Because don't doesn't Amazon take about like visit? What would people anticipate getting off the top? Like fifteen percent of their? Yeah, is that about right? Yeah, yeah. You know, our our profit margins are like at the end of the day, fifteen twenty percent, and that's that's good. Okay. Like, like after, because, you know, not only does Amazon take their cut with their commission on the sale, but they also charge you to ship it, which is okay because you got to pay to ship it anyway. Mm -hmm. um, but then they, they, they've, they've engineered their whole platform where you have to advertise with them. Okay. So it used to be you could just rank your product on that top page organically by just doing a good job and putting the right keywords in and people buying it. Mm -hmm. But now they're like, oh yeah, we can make an ad here and we can put an ad down in this little corner and we can charge for an ad to pop up here. And then, and then before you know, you, you've got to pay to play. Yeah. Or if you don't pay, you don't, you don't rank and yeah. 
it's all manipulated. But at the same time, it's still a great game. Yeah, it, it seems it, like it. it seems it, like a great opportunity. Yeah, because like like, it, like we talk about the four hour work week. You know, I I've shifted with the business and I'm not growing it a ton now, but it's I've turned it into the four hour work week. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I I don't work more than four hours on it. Which has now allowed you to open up, like going back to maybe a bit of a service-based industry, but something you really care about. Yeah, with that yeah. What are you all calling these? Like wild meat retreats? The wild meat retreat. Yeah. <laughs> okay, nice. <laughs> How many of y'all done of those? Uh, we did four last year. Nice. Like every quarter? One a quarter? Or how'd you? We we did. You know, like like everything I do, I kind of you know do a lot real quick, and, and then look back and go, holy crap, that was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that might have been too much, but um, no, we we did uh. Yeah, we're doing like every couple months or so. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that's another thing we have in common because we, I think around the same time, we might have started doing like the buffalo and bison group harvesting. Oh, yeah. yeah. I saw that. And which has been incredibly impactful. Like what, what's yeah. the what's the foundation and the um, itinerary or the agenda for someone that's attended these wild meat retreats? Yeah. So so the, the intention is for somebody who hasn't hunted but wants to. Okay. Who who, who has learned about it but, but grew up in a in a way that they weren't exposed to it mm-hmm. or maybe they were exposed to it but not in the the way that they would like to do it yeah, yeah. right so I, I can relate to that in georgia it's like sometimes yeah. it's just so I, i've hunted with some people it seems like it was like the most spiritual experience arguably ever and then some that's like seemingly the opposite yeah like a drunken stupor sloppy yeah. belligerent yeah. group it's like everything you know it's the same physical act but can be done in incredibly different mm-hmm. ways and um, so, yeah, a lot of people have grown up with with a, a style of hunting like that. They don't resonate with. Mm-hmm. Uh, they might have had a bad experience. And, and they want to do it in a connected, conscious, sacred way um, that feels really good. Mm-hmm. And that they can find that the, some meaning in it and some purpose and, and uh, learn how to do this skill, which, which has so many benefits in so many ways. Mm-hmm. In this in this really great way, and, and and also learn all the different aspects of it, which which is a hard thing to accomplish yeah. in a weekend. But we, and we 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 you know we know that it doesn't we're not going to cover everything. Yeah. But we do the big stuff. You know, we shoot guns and we learn about firearms and safety, um, and and target practice. We we break down a whole animal so we get a live goat and slaughter it together. Okay. Butcher the whole thing. How do y'all do the slaughtering of the goat when it's live? Yeah, so there's there's two ways. Um, the way I do it a lot is with a pistol, okay, a twenty two, mm-hmm. you know, small caliber pistol, just because it's so controlled and fast. Um, the way that one of my mentors does it with a group is with a knife, mm-hmm. and I just taught at a, a primitive skills gathering, and I taught animal processing there for the first time. We used a knife, okay, because it's more. Uh, simple, you know, it's mm-hmm. more rudimentary. It's mm-hmm. some people, and some people don't have guns, you know. Yep. Some people don't want guns, or they, or they can't shoot guns in their area. Yep, yep. Um, so yeah, there's two ways you can do it. So in, when the way without a gun, I mean, with a pistol, do you come up and shoot it in the head and then mm-hmm. bleed it out? Yeah, yeah. So you uh, hold the horns with one hand and shoot it in the head, and and then then we bleed it out after it hits the ground so and then that in that way the y'all, y'all so the brains would be unusable for food at that point or have y'all ever done pretty much the yeah yeah no so in our events um 
we're limited on time. Mm-hmm. Like, so, so you can spend, th- and, and, and my mentor, I learned a lot of this animal processing from, he teaches this and he does four days, full days of processing an animal. Okay. And they, they brain tan the hide. Oh, uh, see, I'm very they, interested in learning about that. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great. I mean, it's awesome. It's really cool to do that, but we're trying to accomplish so many things that we can't go to that level yeah. with the animal processing. So, you know. And do y'all process the animal like the last day, first day, in the middle, or? Um, so we do it uh, kind of in the middle. And then y'all eat the animal together? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, we just start cooking it right away. And, and not that like, and it doesn't need any dry aging or anything like that. Because sometimes with the bison and the buffalo, they're like, yeah, we should, like the butcher's like adamant. Like we need yeah. to dry <laughs> age this for at least three days. Yeah, yeah. Because um, these animals are so young. Yeah. And they're. Yeah, you know, so the rigor mortis sets in in 24 hours. Okay. So you know you can you can eat meat right away, and it's really tender and good. Mm-hmm. But then the next day it gets kind of chewy. You know? Okay. Yeah, that makes <laughs> and then, sense. Then like you're saying, three days later it's fully relaxed. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, sometimes the next day we're eating it, and it's kind of chewy, but that's real yeah that's that's kind of how i think about it as well i'm like i don't need to have like a steakhouse quality yeah like uh where i don't need to chew chew the meat yeah and then the other thing with the processing the animals it makes so much sense in my opinion just like seeing a few of these done why people would eat the organs first yeah they're just like so edible and right there right out so freaking energized i mean it's like it's like a food drug like food medicine yeah, yeah, that's a good story. I um I was elk hunting this last fall, and and I, I shot this elk up in Arizona, and um I was by myself. I was I was kind of in a hunting camp type thing, but I wasn't with anybody else, and I had to kind of deal with it on my own. At least get it gutted and everything. And I, I took the heart out, and like you're saying, that thing was just so vibrant and alive. And I just I cut some pieces off of it and ate it, just right there. And dude, that was like a psychedelic <laughs> experience. I mean, like, it, isn't it how helpful would it be to help carry the meat out? I feel like that's like the yeah, trick in a way. If you exactly. start chewing on the liver and the heart and testicles or whatever else you can, like fresh and raw, you're going to get a buzz. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah and that's might. how I felt. I was just like, oh, yeah. And I'm like trying to pull this thing up in my quad by myself and stuff. Wow. <laughs> so luckily, somebody came and helped me. And I gave him some. I was like, dude, try this. He's like, oh, man. Anyway, so so I started. We started doing that at the events. Oh, cool! So nice. when we nice. pull the heart out of the goat or sheep mm-hmm. and cut a little piece off, and everybody eats it, that's a powerful experience. Yeah, and I just, I do think it's so connective to like our deeper roots, especially from this land. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 a uh, it, it's so strange now, you know, because you can live without being connected to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is when you think about it really bizarre mm-hmm. that that can even happen i mean you know so it, it's so intrinsic in who we are as humans and how we got here and and how we live that um the fact that we can be divorced from it is just crazy yeah. but also like as you've seen so powerful to reconnect to yeah yeah i, I think it's one of the most impactful like, like processing an animals as a tribe or a family or a group and eating it together and going through that whole process is one of the most I think healthfully, healthfully impactful experiences someone can have. Oh yeah, especially if they haven't done it. Oh yeah, and they might really feel like an awakening. Yeah, it's like a rite of passage. Yeah, I mean, you're you're like you know you're different mm-hmm. when you go. It's like you go through that door and you come out the other side, and you you can't be the same person. Mm-hmm. It's not possible. Well, that sounds like a really cool event. Do y'all have one coming up? Um, so we. 
we've got we're thinking doing one in october we, we did so many last year that we, we honestly got kind of tired yeah because yeah. it because it's so intense it, i mean any retreat is so intense when you're responsible for all these people overnight and they haven't been to your place before. were y'all hosting at your place overnight yeah yeah uh, so we've deal. got we've got a, a little ranch um and in, in cottonwood okay it's six acres but it backs up to national forest oh nice so it feels nice. like a lot more land. that's awesome um but yeah, people would come and camp there. We've got some glamping tents and stuff. But uh, yeah, I, I think I just realized that, that holding space for something really powerful, like killing an animal like that, just was, it's a lot. It is. It's a lot. So we're, I mean, I'm sure you, what's your experience like that, your events? Well, I mean, before we were, we when we market them specifically as like a harvest, like a buffalo harvest or a bison harvest, and it's like a one day event, that, that's much easier. But when we did the overnight retreats, and like, for, I remember in Nicaragua, we did get a goat. It was like it's like a goat cow. It's a different animal than we have here in the mm-hmm. United States, and um, we killed that animal for food that night. And that was one of the most polarizing things ever. Like some people refused to look at it, and they were traumatized, and they didn't even know what happened. Other people watched it, and like I literally, I remember like having some very like in, like a, this super inspiring, impactful guy come up to me. He's like, "That was the most impactful experience of my life." Just like real nonchalant and, and clear. I was like, "Really?" Yeah. I was like, "Yeah." And and like so, it was a big deal. And yeah, holding space not only for something like that, but we did all kinds of radical like self acceptance through self expression exercises. If anyone's read Breaking Normal, like the naked exercise, like just holding space for people to process so much trauma, it is a big deal. Yeah, uh, it takes a little. And we would like I had some friends that would crash after the retreat if they were like a host. Uh-huh. They just they couldn't do anything for a couple of days. Yeah, and but we we would because we did so many over so long. We found strategies like making sure we slept, like making sleep a priority. Because sometimes it's like if someone is doing that for the first time ever, they might get so excited they think they can get away without sleeping for a few nights. Because you're all jacked uh, up. Yeah, it's and that's not going to work. Stuff going on. Yeah, it's not going to work as a host, especially if you're trying to do that over and over. So yeah, I mean, there, there was, those were big deals, and I remember too. Like after doing about fifty of them over a decade, I was pretty like excited about the idea of doing a product based <laughs> business and that necessarily hasn't been like super simple or easy either yeah that's true I mean, not like they make <laughs> not like he makes it out in that book right or like so many people selling it now like oh you just find something go on alibaba make your own stick your name on it <laughs> yeah i mean I may, and maybe that works for the people that works that must be a nice little jackpot but i think yeah. for most people it's going to demand a lot of uh commitment and persistence totally Whatever industry you're in, especially if you're an entrepreneur. And that's why I think that world's not for everyone. I think for a lot of people, they're just more comfortable being told what to do and yeah. having it laid out for them. And that's okay, too, yeah. you know, because we can't all be entrepreneurs. <laughs> like, I, I remember uh, I remember I, I, I participated in this uh, youth mentorship rite of passage thing. Um but but I was there and it was a volunteer thing and the, like the lead volu- the lead guy that runs it was like look you're all leaders here and you're gonna butt heads you know so be ready for that but he's right like you can't have a whole society of people like trying to, to lead right it doesn't work <laughs> yeah I um, agree with that but anyway yeah so I think and, and I mean it's a little bit off topic too but but I think it's another important message is that it's okay to like take a break from business sometimes too you know like when i i uh i was so burned out on this yoga teaching business thing and and i had been creating all these courses and doing all this work and not getting the financial compensation to make it worth it i was just burned out i was done um and i and i 
I, I was I found this guy with the painting company because he was hiring a carpenter, and I was learning about carpentry. And oh, I was cool. like, I just want to go work with my hands, you know. I just want to go like just chop, some just wood. cut some wood, <laughs> screw yeah. some shit together, you know. <laughs> Not think so much. And it ended up I helped him all his business stuff, and we ended up being great friends. But it was a job, you know. I was looking for a job. Mm-hmm. I wrote this article, you know, like oh, it was in, it was titled uh, "I Got a Job." right like it's a bad word or something (laughs) and people loved it like we're so validated because sometimes you know you just Uh, yeah i aim to make that acronym joy of being yeah i think if someone's job is their joy of being then you know the old saying maybe they're not going to work many days yep or it won't feel as much as much work. And as hard as I work, I can I can resonate with that. Like when yeah. I'm when I feel like I'm helping people and helping others and the world's becoming better because of the project, it definitely is inspiring to work harder. Totally. So, so thank you for all your hard work and everything y'all do. Oh, thanks. Oh yeah, and just to come back to that, so the Wild Meat Retreat, it, it's it's on a bit of a pause. Okay. We're trying to figure out how to make it sustainable. Okay. So like you were saying you could probably help me a lot with some of these, uh, you know, ways to manage um, these type of, you know, processing and whatnot. But the other thought I thought of, of doing is maybe creating an online course where we teach some of the just teachable material mm-hmm. online. Oh, to like prep for the, yeah. I think that's a great yeah, idea. Yeah, to like yeah. talk about licenses and tags yep. and gear and all these things that can just you don't have to be there to learn, mm-hmm. but then the stuff you do have to be there, like killing an animal and turning it into food mm-hmm. and shooting guns, you know, you can't learn that. Yeah, I think it's helpful to be in the field for that. So we might, we're looking at it and sort of re- reimagining it and seeing what makes sense. Well, we might be doing um, a yak up here in a higher, um, <laughs> higher altitude in the fall when the leaves start changing. So we'll have to keep oh, you yeah. and everyone else in the loop that's listening that wants to be involved because, like you, like we both agree, that is a powerful, and it's like it's a very important experience. It yeah. is, yeah. And and the other thing that I I noticed too, though, is that people can overdo it, you know, by by making it too like you can go overboard, mm-hmm. and and uh, you know, once you start doing it and you start taking the life of a lot of animals, you realize that you can't like sing a song and shake a rattle and, you know, do, do this whole thing, this whole massive process every single time. Yeah. You know, and a lot of people have that vision of it as being this like over dramatized experience. So it's both, you know? Yeah. And I, I do think, I, I see how that could be a more dramatic experience for a bigger animal. That's basically. True. Like if That's it's going to take two days to break the animal down, you're going to get like 600 pounds of meat <laughs> yeah. compared to like a rabbit. Yeah. 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 yeah I just, so I, I mean, I, I definitely can see why those traditions arose and how they arose through tribes that were nomadic on North America and they come upon a bison herd. I bet that's going to be a pretty ceremonious experience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Especially if they haven't seen one in a few yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's getting hungry. They've just yeah. been eating roots and, <laughs> you know, acorns for a I while. Know, what nourishment. <laughs> it's amazing. It's an amazing process. So I'm happy you are doing that as well. I mean, I think time just flew by. We're over an hour and 15 minutes. The sun is blazing. I think you are getting <laughs> ready to head back on the road. Yeah. Yeah. And totally appreciate you making some time before you before you head back to Arizona. Likewise, yeah, this has been really fun for sure. Do you have anything we, you want to make sure that we you include that we have not talked about, and or a way for people to get in touch with you if they want oh, to? Jeez, um, yeah, we covered a lot. A lot of a lot of my favorite things. It's awesome. great. Um, 
But yeah, you can uh, you can check out the Wild Meat Retreat website. Is that the name of the Wild, website? Yeah, wildmeatretreat.com. The wildmeatretreat.com. No, it's just, just no wild. the just wildmeatretreat.com. Awesome. And we've got a uh, That's not easy to forget. There's a there's a free webinar there. So oh, if somebody cool. wants to hunt and they're they're interested in this and they like the sound of it, uh, we've got a, it's like an hour a half hour, hour long webinar where we go through the basic principles of how to start. Cool. And it's all free. That's great. A great idea. I yeah. might even check that out myself. Sure. Awesome. And then um, I know I I would definitely recommend checking out the interview with Melissa from probably like a couple of years ago. Her website is still the same? Are y'all still? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You definitely go to MelissaHennig.com. There you go. Yeah. We got to change that to Melissa King. It's I know kind she's of a big process. <laughs> she's kind of famous, you know. <laughs> well, I know, I know she uh, she makes great products. She's yeah, always, ever she, since I've known her, she's always been manufacturing, whether it's yep. food or some sort of other cool thing. She does great. Yeah, yeah, and that's why we're here because she's taking a herbal this herbal um, mentorship program, and she's really been into plants and plant medicine and deepening uh, her experience with that to create these tinctures and herbal body oils. Awesome. Um, well, so, I can yeah. see because we walk around my park that I've been to a thousand times and she was showing me herbs and roots and yeah. shoots. I was like, really? That's that? I didn't know that. Yep. So I think that's a super valuable skill. I mean, it's kind of, like, it reminds me a little bit of like hunting and or surfing. Like someone could go to, go to the beach and be scared of the water. Someone go to the beach and have the best time of their life because they see the waves and the opportunities. Mm-hmm. Someone can go to the woods, be scared of shit and not have fun. Someone go to the woods to go hunting and be scared of shit and have one of the most fulfilling times of their life. Yeah. And that time I see Melissa, I'm like, yeah, your your world has expanded so much because you understand all these herbs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. All th- these things you weren't aware of, yeah. now that you have a name and, and can identify it, it just changes your reality. Yeah, I think that's so cool. And I want to learn more about that as well. I love I love uh, making the world a more expansive place by um, edutaining myself with what's around me, like literally around me. Mm-hmm. So I think y'all are awesome. It's great to drop in a little bit. Yeah. I think I'm going to go drop in the creek now. Yeah, me too. Good yeah. plan. Well, keep breaking normal, y'all, and then um, check it out. Wildmeatretreat.com. Yep. Yeah, yeah. People want to connect. You know, we talked a lot about a lot of things. If somebody's got some ideas about a business or Amazon, they want to connect with me there. I'm happy to chat about it. I would recommend that because I think uh, he, you are very well informed and you walk the talk. You've been doing it, so it's not just a theory. Is that the same? Is, could someone reach out to you through that way? The yeah. Wild? Okay. Yeah, cool. yeah. You can contact me through there. Awesome. Um, because, yeah, that, that, I mean, that's a good thing to leave people with is, yeah, just follow follow those things that you're into because it can change your life. Yeah. And yeah. then having kids, I think that's so obvious. Like, don't yeah. you want your child to be following what he's interested in? Yeah, <laughs> not, totally. not necessarily what you're interested in and he's exactly. not interested in. I mean, that's like yeah, that's my what mission. a dynamic with parents and kids. Like, let your kids be interested in what they're interested in. I think their life will be better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. That's my guess. Yeah. All right, y'all. We'll see y'all. We'll see y'all. Maybe we'll see y'all at the Yak Harvest or one of these Arizona wild meat retreats, but just uh, keep breaking normal in the meantime. Hey, let's break that addiction to approval and get addicted to authenticity. There's something much better than just fitting in, and that's breaking normal. Let's go.